0: Welcome to what is the uh, the final edition of Blue Sacchiati Talks for uh, Series 2. I'm Paul Connolly and uh, joined by Dan Kendall. How are we doing, Dan?
1: I'm very well, Paul. Are you?
0: Yeah, very uh, very well indeed. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't actually intend this to be a, a 2 part, but we thought we'd bring you, uh, bring you a couple of reasons as to why. First things first, two hours and 40 minutes we were sat talking to Chris Hardy, weren't we?
1: It was. It was an absolute epic. Um, no toilet stops. Oh,
0: uh, not one no.
1: no it wasn't no really wasn't or or uh yeah or the weak bladded for yeah. that for that matter yeah no it was it was an epic so this this is where we have to declare that we are talking to you now through the um via the joys of of uh post recording editing that's right isn't it paul that's
0: the one yeah that's the one
1: so have we ever done a 2 part before
0: uh i think the first one we did Ended yeah. Being split into a two-parter. Yeah. The uh, the chat with Shane Bland and uh, and Lee West. That was uh, that was a two-parter. But yeah, this is the uh, the first one in what was technically the series format. So yeah, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's a good one. I mean, we've, it we've is a good off, one. Covered off quite a lot in this part, didn't we? We you have.
1: Know, we, we have indeed.
0: Yeah, we looked at Chris's obviously very early days in, in management in the T side league, and uh, obviously moving into the Northern League with Bishops and Thornaby, moved on to Gisborough as well, and and some fantastic times at Gisborough that chris reflected on there
1: it's a hell of a story isn't it actually when you sit when you when you talk to chris about it and you you take it right from the top first introduction to to the sort of management game and you see the trajectory that he was on um it's uh yeah like i say it's um huge Mm. you know for for me the biggest observation you know is it roy Keane who says you know there's um it's hard enough to to win something, but the really hard bit is coming back the season after and doing it again yeah. and doing it again and doing it again. And uh, I think, you know, if there's one thing for the listeners to take away from this one, Chris did it again and again and again, didn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, very, very successful across his career in, in both the side League and, and the Northern League as well. And what, what obviously strikes me with Chris is, and this is something that a lot of people will probably pick up on, um, which, whichever league you've come across, Chris. If you've managed against him, played against him, um, there's always people with good things to say about him as well, about how he, you know, how he conducts himself, how he approaches matters, how he approaches games as well. Um, and I think that comes across a little bit when we when we talk to him here because we sort of get a little bit more insight to how he approach things and how he wanted to play the game and this fashion that he wanted to play it in.
1: Yeah that for me was a real insight because, you know, it's easy, isn't it? We can all, we can all read the match report. We can all see, you know, what the score was at the end of it. We can see who played, we can see what the subs were, but the bit that you can't really get until you talk to the main characters in that story is, is the mindset, is the, the, the hopes, the dreams, the desires, you know, what is going on in people's heads. And, um, you know, fair play to Chris. He, he gave us, like you say, a real insight into that, into what drives him, what he looks for in his football teams. You know, what he what he considers to be a successful football inside. You know, um, huge.
0: Yeah, some some good insights as well into how he recruits
1: players too, because. You know, or
0: mentioned... doesn't
1: or doesn't as the case may be. Oh, I'm giving it. I'm, that's a spoiler alert. Is that I'm it giving is, it away yeah. now. Blimey, sorry about that, everyone.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that we can uh, we can leave there and, and go straight into the episode, can't we? And uh, chat to Chris Hardy, former Whitby Town manager, about well, uh, early on in the T league and, and going forward.
1: Well, you need to to say you need to start this in the way that you start every conversation with Chris Hardy. So take it away, Paul.
0: Just initially, Chris, your reaction. Superb. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, thank
2: you, Paul. Yourself.
0: Yeah, all uh, all good, thank you. Uh, how's, how's things for yourself at the moment in uh, what we can only describe as strange times? Well, you took the words out
2: of my mouth there. Strange, to say the least. It's um, very peculiar times. I think maybe it's what was classed as the norm, like you say, it's it can't be recognised now. It's 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 very, very strange.
0: Certainly is, and uh, a long, a long way from uh, when we were chatting in the summer, and looking forward to a new season, which uh, now looks as though it's going to be null and voided again.
2: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I keep in touch with the with the guys, particularly Bully, um, and that, like you say, that seems to be the the feeling at the moment that it's going to have the same outcome as last season.
0: Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly disappointing for us all. I know, Dan, yourself. Uh, Bit of a football fan as well. He's still still following Burnley, but it's just it's just not the same watch on the telly, is it?
1: No, it's not. Um, no, it doesn't feel real somehow. You know, part of football is the fans. Part of football is is that that connection, that that atmosphere, and um, yeah, it feels like a TV show at the moment. Um, fake crowd noise fake everything, quite frankly. <laughs> um yeah, I'm sure a few people will say it's not i it haven't been football for a long time following Burnley, but uh but yeah, um no, you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, 442 till the uh till the sun expands and swallows the earth, isn't it, at Burnley?
1: It's the only way. It's the, the Burnley only. way.
0: It is, yeah. It's uh very, very well established that one. Uh but yeah Chris we'll uh we'll get cracking straight from the off then and uh, have a have a good chat about your career that uh, started in the started in the Teesside League before you went into the Northern League, uh, just, just take us back to that sort of very first time in coaching and management
2: I remember it quite
0: vividly um, there was a close pal of mine looking after a football team
2: um, he didn't fancy looking after the football team anymore and he's asked whether I would step in and help him um, which which I said I would and, and really since then I've got a bit of a book for it and you know, found out I was okay at it. Um, but like you say, more importantly, I got this, you know, this real football bug from it and and that's where it really started.
0: So which uh, which teams were you involved in then uh, in the two-side league? It was a team
2: called Thornaby Athletic.
0: Um, and like you say,
2: I was in and around the league for, for around about five seasons or so seeing lots of um, ding-dong um sunday saturday afternoon um non league football encounters with the likes of the Bead and grangetown boys and you know at um derbies with um thornaby dubliners um it was it was a good a good period um but one that that I cr- quickly grew out of
0: yeah real uh, real blood and thunder element to the game isn't there at that level chris
2: There certainly is and that was one of the reasons why i wanted to come away from it there was there was a lot of injuries, serious injuries. Um, I just felt that going, you know, up the the levels was going to give me a better chance of of working in an environment that that wasn't seeing people breaking legs every other week, which, like you said, I did see a you know a few of.
0: I can uh, I can absolutely imagine. Yeah, I've uh, I've watched a few encounters in that division before and. Uh... Certainly not the prettiest at some uh, at some points, but uh, yeah, from from there, you, you mentioned about moving up and getting into a different environment, and that was uh, that chance came at bishops uh, with with Peter Mulcaster.
2: It did, yeah. I got a phone call off Peter. Um, Peter knew my my father um, from the the Thornaby days many moons ago, Thornaby Stockton, um, and Peter obviously knew of me, and Peter got a, a position in at uh, Bishop Auckland. One of many of a position that Peter's uh, Peter's had, and and like you say, when he asked if I would, you know, fancy coming over, I said, yeah, definitely. Um, they had a good squad down there, some some really good experienced players, Nicky Moan, um, Richie Storm, you know, some good young and up and coming players. So it was a good environment. Um, the environment didn't last that long because I got a phone call off um, Alan Robinson to go across to Thornaby in a. In a role of a little bit more um authority in in um, in number two at Thornaby, so I uh, I jumped at that and like you say went across to my to my local club Thornaby and and spent half a season down there with Alan.
0: Yes, that must have been good. Obviously, moving on to onto Thornaby and um, that assistant manager's role, and I take it maybe that step up to management was in your head at that point then.
2: Yeah, it always had been. You know, I I was. I was feeling my way around non league football. I was, you know, trying to, you know, get into an environment that, that would give me an opportunity to to eventually do what, you know, what, what I do, which is, you know, football management.
0: And uh, obviously you moved on then from Thornaby and we'll go into it. Gisborough Town uh, went in there and uh, in the end becoming manager in February
2: 2008. Yeah, yeah. We, um, like you say, going across to um, to uh, Gisborough, obviously the uh, the management position came up. So you know, I was I was certainly interested in taking that on. It was it was a big task. The club wasn't in a particularly great state, um, playing Second Division Northern League. Um, it had the makings of of, of a side that. That had a, a reasonable level of success early part of the season, but then seemed to, you know, hit some, you know, a, a difficult patch, and and that's what I inherited, and that's what I had to try and, you know, tidy up and 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 make sure that we uh, we got things steadied and and give ourselves a platform to try and you know kick on on the back of it.
0: Talk to us then. You mentioned their club not in the greatest state. Just just talk to us about the club that you did find at Gisborough then. Um. It was a club that at the beginning
2: of the season were were flying high. Um, I think they went on a an unbeaten run for for a number of games that were top of the pack. Um, and then for whatever reason, um, the, the wheels came off. Um, again, the, the previous management team that was in there. I'm sure they'll give a better account of, as to why. And and with that in mind. Um, that was then, you know, time for a change, and that was when I got my opportunity. Um, but it certainly wasn't inheriting something that was plain sailing; it was something that that needed to be, you know, reshaped, rejigged, and and refocused for for obviously the coming seasons.
1: I play to you though, Chris, because in your time at Gisborough, every year, if I'm right in saying, you finished higher in the league year on year on year.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pleased you picked up on that because we did. <laughs> And, and that was the objective because it, it was small steps going in there you know there was there was a budget that was healthy initially the budget then became maybe not so healthy um so we said if we can try and make progression year in year out then then that would be deemed to be a you know a success and we did that for every single season you know at Gisborough which was a bit of an achievement really because Towards the back end, you know, we were we were quite a successful side. We were, you know, winning games of football. We had a a brand of football that that people were were aware of. And I think a lot of people, you know, football purists were, you know, were, you know, like you say, they 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 admired what we were doing. So like you say, a good achievement to to have that that progression year on year.
0: No, it's, it certainly is, and I mean, something that obviously came up a lot across your time at Gisborough, Chris, was um, the development of players through the football club as well. Was was that something that you had an eye on from the outset? Yeah, I mean,
2: I think from the point of view of what Gisborough was or previously to me coming in, you know, there was there was a lot of big-name players, a lot of players that that had done the non-league circuit, Um without mentioning names, like you say, and these guys, you know, had price tags, um, but with the price tags came the quality. And then as soon as money started to disappear, which is, you know, it's part and parcel of non-league football, then some of these people disappeared, Um, which again is fine, you know. But I think from the point of view of what we were left with, it was, it's a blank canvas. You know, we've got to try and develop younger players and make them into, you know, the the next breed of experience, you know, quality players for the respective level.
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously that was something that he had, you know, a great deal of success with a number of those players going on to play higher, either in the non-league pyramid or or in the football league. In the in the case of Danny Johnson, as we'll mention uh, a little bit further down the line, but. Um, Obviously, you won a promotion back to the Northern League, first division in ten eleven, Chris. That was a second-place finish. And then um, that season as well, the first of two North Ryden Senior Cup successes at the club.
2: Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> I seem to have um, sort of branded myself uh, the uh, the North Ryden Cup man. Um, but, yeah, we had uh, su- success that season, which, again, was good. I believe that was Mask. At Stokesley, there was... Nearly two thousand people in there. Um, cold um, March evening, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, like you say, we we've managed to um, to nick it one nil. Uh, Dave O'Nean scoring the goal, so that was a that was a good one. That was a good feather in the cap, that, especially against local rivals as well as it was the uh, you know at the time.
0: Yeah, one of those games, Chris. That uh, not much love lost between the sides on the pitch, is there?
2: No, not at all. I mean. At the end of the day, there's there's utmost respect, but when it comes down to you know vying for rights, whether it be, you know, winning trophies or or you know pushing for promotions or championships, then then like you say, these rivalries become a little bit more intense. Um but again, like you say, good fun and and respect, you know, you know, when it comes to the final whistle.
0: No, absolutely. And then uh, just looking, obviously, continuing to build. And we mentioned that sort of progression every single season. Uh, 16th in the first season in the first division, then up to 11th, uh, that 2012-13 season. But I mean, one game in particular that I do remember, because I, I mean, I was at that one, was the uh, was the Darlington game in that 12-13 season where Gisborough Town just just blew high-flying Darlington away. Yeah, we, we,
2: we did. We did. Um, and we did it in in a in a way, in a fashion that was that was quite unique to Gisborough at the time. You know, we, we moved the ball about well. It was a I remember the evening very well. It was um like you say, it was packed to the rafters. It had a proper non-league feel about it. Um the evening got got cool and the pitch became quicker. Um and we played you know good football. I think Darlington were on a you know an, an unbelievable winning streak and I have no doubts that expected to come to the you Know the the um to Gisborough and and turn us over um but you know it was quite the opposite really yeah I've and not. you still
1: signed Jack Norton
2: yeah I've had a, I've had a few dealings with Jack Norton <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love Jack
2: we do yes Jack <laughs> um, the character to say the least he's uh you know I class him as a friend of mine but He's as man as a box of frogs. There's no. <laughs> and I'm sure Jack won't hold that against me.
0: He certainly, uh, he certainly won't. Jack. He's uh, he's one of those. He, the epitome of what you need to be to be a goalkeeper, isn't he?
2: he? He is. He's a talented kid. He's just. He's just on a different planet at times. Um, <laughs> but it comes down to the attributes that I look for from a goalkeeper. He he ticks all the boxes. He's, you know his distribution's really good. Um, He understands the game, you know. He he, he's a proper football man. Um, So with with that in mind, that's probably the reason why I've had maybe you know three stints with Jack, you know, with various clubs.
1: In fact, you've signed a fair few who were in that starting eleven for Darlow that night, haven't you? Leon Leon Scott was in there, wasn't he? You've had Leon Kevin Burgess as well. Kev Burgess played.
2: Yeah, he wasn't. Kevin wasn't my signing, but
1: Kev came in right.
2: um, a period on loan at Whitby, um, but yeah, like you said, there's a was a few. Tom Porter's was was one that um, there was a Gisborough with me, um, but yeah, like you say, you tend to find the better players. will, will like you say, will gravitate themselves towards the the, the better clubs.
0: Yeah, yeah we mentioned there that progression, Chris, and that night was sort of the uh, you could see in that Gisborough side the makings of the team that the next two seasons would finish, you know, fourth and third respectively.
2: Yeah. Again, I think as part of the
0: journey, it was,
2: it was trying to put building blocks in place. It was trying to, to achieve the end goal, which would be, you know, to be as successful as we could be. And, and I think, like you say, from that evening on, you know, fans and players alike, um, maybe even myself, you know, we, we gained a lot of belief from that evening and, and like you say, we used it to, to springboard ourselves and, and eventually, you know, prove ourselves to be, you know, probably one of the better sides in the league, if not the best side in the league for for different reasons. Maybe it's not for going winning the league, but but for reasons that that some may appreciate and others may not.
0: Yeah, very good football inside, Chris. Um, and yeah, that, uh, that next season, then it was fourth in the Northern League First Division. Um, but for yourself as well, that achievement of, of winning manager of the year.
2: Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it was it was acknowledged that that we had put together um, a side that that was built on, on 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 development really on bringing players in with potential and getting players to play the level. Um, granted, we had some some talent boys at the football club, um, but again, we we seem to have an eye for for younger players and, and getting them to to buy into the the ethos and and like you say we um we, we managed to find some really good stride with that.
0: Just looking at that team there, I mean, it's probably a once in a career thing for a manager to have a hundred goal strike partnership, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Yeah. The the two guys were that the, the company each other well. They weren't a typical nine and ten where you tend to find they are, you know, the the the, the forward partnerships that that tend to bear fruit. But these guys were, were very, very similar, but very, very different. But both knew where the back of the net was. Um, they were both in the, the the prime, I would say. Maybe it's not so much the prime. Maybe it's more that that hungry, you know, young aspiring stage that was leading towards prime. Um, so we got them at a good time. You know, and like you say, I think with Danny, we'd done a lot of work in building his confidence because he'd been... You know, it, his confidence has been knocked, you know, badly. Um, we got that pulled round. Mikey, Mikey had been with me from for, for a long time. And Mikey, you know, initially started, I think, in a right back, right wing back. Um, but there was there was always a, a realisation for myself that that eventually he would play through the middle. Um, and like you say, with both Danny and Mikey, you know, finding the back of the net week and week out, it was a recipe for us to win games of football. And, and we did it most weeks.
0: Looking at Danny Johnson now, still scoring goals and Late Orient's top goal scorer. So I mean, a credit to a credit to the work there, I would say, Chris, that, that you did with him.
2: Yeah, I mean, you speak with Danny and Danny Danny is very, very um, you know, thankful for his for his opportunities to get, you know, noticed and, and back in the in the shop window. But, you know, Danny did an awful lot for me as a football manager. You know, like you say, when you've got somebody putting the ball in the back of the net. Week in, week out, and scoring some of the goals that he did. Um, it's a two way thing, you know. Yeah, he, he, like you say, myself and Danny, are, you know, I would class Danny as a friend, um, but we, I think we helped one another.
0: That great stuff, Chris. The, um, and then obviously that season as well, it was uh, another North Riding Senior Cup win, but this time at the Riverside Stadium. So again, sort of a special level to that playing at the Riverside.
2: Yeah, again, you know. Uh, the, the decision to, to obviously play the North Ryden Cup at the Riverside, um, I think was quite fitting, really. I think, you know, when you're playing cup finals without being disrespectful to the uh, to North Ryden HQ, it, it wasn't particularly brilliant. The surface wasn't great. Um, I don't believe that you should be going to play, you know, cup finals on surfaces that, are levelers, you know, the, the concept of a cup final was always about, you know, a neutral venue, which Stokesley clearly is, but again it was about a venue that that brought something a little bit extra that, that gave people, you know, that little bit of a lift in terms of the uh, the cup final. And the Riverside certainly did that. You know, the plane service is immaculate, obviously I think at the time it was a Premier League club. Um so like you say it ticked all the boxes and and it was a it was a good stage for the
0: um for the but obviously the final there, and uh, it was it was technically it was Middlesbrough in their own backyard as well, Chris. Yeah, it was, um, albeit a young
2: side, but that's what you tend to find in the North Riding Cup. Middlesbrough tend to put out, you know, their their second side or their twenty threes, however you want to word that. Um, but yeah, like you say, we've we, you know we rode our luck at times in the evening, but we managed to get over the finish line and and like you say, if, you know, come away with the silverware.
0: So uh, that, that season following, then it was um, a third place finish, Chris, into the 2015-16 season and we'll, uh, we'll move it on towards sort of Whitby Town. But um, I mean, obviously that 15-16 season, the, the Whitby Town job sort of comes up. Whitby are struggling, bottom end of the table, they're adrift. Uh, when, when were the first sort, of, first sort of rumblings for you of, of that Whitby job coming available? I knew the weren't Whitby weren't
2: having a, a great time. Um, again at this stage, I'm, I'm, I've got half an eye on trying to, you know, develop myself and, and get myself to a to a level that that I wanted to manage at. I was coming to the end of my time at um, at Gisborough, and the time of obviously um, Whitby, you know, looking for a manager. Um, I believe my last game with. Um, with Gisborough was in the the VARS against Team Northumbria, um, and I think we got beat one 0 on the night. Or, or a very narrow scoreline where we'd we'd basically dominated the game. We'd battered them from pillar to post, and and then we're being pipped right to the death. And that was probably the final nail in the coffin for me with um, with Gisborough. was that was my realisation that I'd probably done as much as I could do down there. Um, and I didn't want to overstay my welcome, you know, and I felt it was time for a, you know, for a fresh challenge for myself and, and maybe for a, a new manager to come into, um, into Gisborough. So, again, the timing of, of the, uh, the Whitby job coming about, it, was, it, it couldn't have been any better for me.
0: So, I mean, when, when did that approach come in then? Was it uh, pretty much straight after the, uh, the Darren Williams uh, leaving or was it a couple of days after?
2: Yeah, I was having some dialogue with um, with with Bully and and obviously I, I knew that Whitby were without a manager and obviously Whitby were. Bully mentioned um, that they were keen to speak to myself, so I was I was more than keen to um, to obviously you know have the conversation and and see where it took us.
1: Yeah. How did it feel though going from a club that you've built, fair to say at Gisborough, and you're flying. And, you know, Team Northumbria in the VARs aside, you know, you beat your Middlesbrough in your own backyard and everything else. And and you come into Whitby higher level, but clearly problems. What what, what was that initial kind of, that first training session, that, that first walk through the door, what was that kind of feel?
2: It was excitement. It was something that I'd seen before. It was something that, that I'd done before. Um, because the circumstances... You know, in terms of morale, in terms of the standing, it wasn't that much different to when I went into um, into Gisborne, albeit three levels different, um, because at the time Gisborne were in Division 2. Um, but again, it, it didn't daunt me. If anything, it excited me because I thought if the club's in, you know, the, the state that it was and I can get it pulled round, then that can only be, you know, a feather in my cap. Um, so again, it didn't daunt me. Um, walking through the door, I knew there was a good group of um, players in there. We just needed uh, maybe a regroup. Obviously, confidence was low. Um, possibly strip it back to basics. Maybe he's a, a different voice, a different approach was was what the guys needed. Um, because I think everything, every manager has a lifespan, and it suggested that the you know it was time for a new lifespan, and it would be. So again, like I said, the time was good
0: so obviously looking at in that first game then it was a 1-0 defeat against Sutton Coldfield but i mean it didn't didn't take too long for the wins to come along chris because i mean you you achieved what no witby manager had actually managed before and uh, and won at nantwich after three games the you know when we when i when i took the job over
2: um the the club was relegated there's no two ways about it it it, it really was because i think to put the the points on the board that we did it was borderline you know playoff you know type form um so the first game to um to to be at the Turnbull and and obviously suffer a defeat it was you know there's no fairy tale uh, ending to this this is like you know let's roll our sleeves up and we've got to you know really dig in we we knew the the stakes were, were very very high in terms of you know losing that, that league status, but we were all focused and all geared towards you know survival. Um, there was going to have to be a little bit of a, a different approach to what to what we previously done, you know, with uh, with Gisbert in the in the final couple of seasons with them. But prepared for it and, and knew that we had to just take each game as it as it came. We had to do, you know, good business that allowed us to be as strong as possible come match day, um, and just keep, you know, racking up the points that hopefully eventually was going to allow us to, um, to, you know, continue our, our status.
1: Being controversial, where you said there that you had to do things slightly differently because you were down the bottom of the league compared to flying at Gisborough, is that man- Is that manager's code for uh, you let a little bit of a style go? Focused a little bit more on the result,
2: hundred percent, one hundred percent. As we go through this conversation, we'll talk more about this. Um, but again, you know, if if anyone's seen what what Gisbra did week in week out, it was consistent, and it was consistent. It it was tick attacker, you know, but in non league. Um, but as I say, from the point of view of coming into Whitby and. You know, going up against the Sutton Coalfield side on a heavy pitch on a cold afternoon. You know, the, there was no tick attacker that was going to be going on there. This was let's get the boys organised. Let's make sure that we've got you know enough about us on the data to to get something out of a very competitive game of
1: football. And it is like you say, doesn't matter how it gets done, just get it done. Is is that the the, the mantra when you when you're down there?
2: Let let me come in there. There was um, an afterthought, and the afterthought was that in the moment it doesn't matter how we get it done, we've got to get it done, but that wasn't the way that I was planning on doing things going forward. I just knew that we had a limited period of time and we had to make sure that, that we got them points on the board so it gives us that opportunity to have a clean slate come the summer and then we can start to rebuild, and we can start to put in place what what I wanted the football team to look like.
1: Yeah, because Paul will jump in here, but then yeah, the season after, a few familiar names started to appear for you from Gisborough, and um, you know that's when that's when things really did start to fly, isn't it? Once once once, like you say, safety had been assured, you you'd got that league status. Sixteen seventeen season, is that when you felt right, job done? season one right season two i'm gonna try and bring a bit of that bit of that tick attacker through now with me
2: well as soon as Gelly rifled that left foot <laughs> pile drive into the uh, the top bin then that's when my mindset changed completely um but up until then i had to be very focused on the job in hand and the job in hand was was you know survival because as i said when when we went in i think. Paul, you might, you know, correct me on this, but it was something like 21 games played, maybe 15 points or something.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't many at all. I think we were about five or six points adrift at that point. Yeah,
2: yeah. And and it's a tall order, you know, when you've got a side that's struggling, and they clearly were, um, not with bad players, just for for circumstances that have seen many sides struggle at the respective level. You know, if you get into a bad run of form, if you get into that little rut that is confidence. Then it's very, very easy to stay down there and, like you say, you know, disappear without trace. So we had to try and affect that that mindset and that mentality. That meant moving a couple of people on, bringing a couple of people in, but working with the um, the core players and getting them to uh, to believe again.
1: Just to give, because um, when you mentioned that gelly goal, there it did make me chuckle. Um, for the listeners we've got um a bit of a crib sheet of um potted potted highlights of uh chardy's career and one of the bullet points is two words gelly thunder bastard <laughs> i think that pretty much sums it up doesn't it yeah. that's on the money
0: yeah 100 great strike I, I still just replay it to myself i've been uh... Been playing around with uh, with the poster design of it, but uh, we'll see we'll see what comes of that in the next uh, in the next few weeks or so. One of many projects I've got uh, got going on, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll sort of move it on from them from achieving survival, Chris, and into that sort of into that next season. And you've mentioned there that mentality shift and and the players that you brought into the football club uh, players players that a lot of them developed at Gisborough. You know, previously there was Andrew May, uh, Steve. I mean, Stephen Snaith had been at Whitby, but obviously you'd sort of moulded him into a midfielder at Gisborough, Dammit Williams and Curtis Round. So building building a squad a lot more in your own image there.
2: Yeah, and, and that was always the plan. Obviously, it couldn't be done um, in the moment because clearly these guys were contracted players, and we had a you know a, an existing squad that, like you said, had quality. So it really was, you know, what, whatever the plans were beyond that season, it had to be put on, you know, on hold. We had to concentrate on the job in hand of, of maintaining the the league status. And then, and like you say, once we did that, you know, there was, I, I never made, um, I made my intentions clear from, from the get-go that there was a handful of players at Gisborough that, that I did want to bring across that I did think were, were ready for the step up that I did think would would benefit Whitby town um, and what we were trying to do at Whitby town
0: yes yeah, some uh, some real qualities there as well there Chris and um, starting that season off uh, I mean it was a, it was an eight game one beaten run in the league and uh, flying flying to the top of the division which you know when you when you look at the season previous was uh, I mean for us absolutely incredible
2: yeah it, it was good um, I think and again, like you say, we'll, we'll go through the, the whole career. But that particular season was probably the only season I was happy with with the way that the team played. Um, oh. We had we had players that that delivered um, the the ideals uh, that that I've got in mind. Um, you know, we for the best part we bopped teams. You know, and and it got to the point where as it was fairly consistent. You know, we were dominating possession. Um, possibly a one trick pony at times, which may be a criticism, but on the eye, it was very, very impressive. Um, and with ball retention came goals and um, points, which, like you say, was, was all important. Um, so, like I say, that particular season was, was one season where I thought, that is the, you know, what I would class as my own trademark stamp as to as to how I want a football team to to look come match day.
1: Well you've said before that season is is the greatest season you've ever had watching Whitby Town and being involved, isn't
0: it? Oh, definitely. I think you know the football that Whitby played was was fantastic, especially for the level. Um, But as well, it was coupled with good players, and it was it was the real togetherness with the club as well. I mean, you you probably found that as well, Chris. But I mean from obviously playing-wise, to volunteer-wise, to supporters, to to management. I think everyone was in it together that year.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, we played, like you say, some really good football. Um, Possibly football, I think, in some quarters that wasn't really acknowledged. Um, And and when I say that, you know, I, I was expecting, given the fact that up until you know the disappointment of Blythe Spartans, we were in a um, a playoff um, race. We were in contention for playoffs, and I and I thought, in heart of hearts, you know, because I was told about you know numbers getting behind the team and and people coming through the gate, the team's doing well, and that didn't seem to happen for whatever reason, which I thought was a you know a little bit disappointing because I think, as I say, the football that we were playing, it was. It was worthy. It was it was very very impressive. You know the the catalyst for for everything that we did was probably Hobson, um, and some of his his ball playing ability, some of it, some of the passages of play that we put together um, were were frightening. Were really really good and and probably probably better than the level, if the truth be told. Um, there are reasons that that I believe that, that we didn't succeed that season, um, and maybe some of them reasons have to have to sit with me. I think I think they do have to sit with me. Um, but again, to try and to try and you know put a put a marker down in terms of this is Whitby, this is what we're about. This is I honestly thought that that was going to be the start of things to come, um, but unfortunately, it didn't materialise like that.
1: But you, you did for me, I mean, just for people who aren't aware, obviously Paul Connolly, you were, you were media communications man for Whitby. I was club photographer and did the away games for you. And I felt that you not only on the pitch, but you were, you were stamping a, a style off the pitch as well in terms of how how the club, how people within the club would would operate with each other. were involved i mean we had a what's we had a media whatsapp group you were on it you know you were first team manager but you're on you're on the media team whatsapp group you're on i presume away from my involvement you're on any number of whatsapp groups was that something that when you came into whitby is that something that you that you were keen keen to see done keen to impose that that idea of one club on pitch off pitch everyone pulling in the same direction
2: yeah because what what I was trying to do is I was trying to um, I was trying to bring across the ideals of what happened at Gisborough. Right. I was heavily involved with everything at Gisborough, and I wanted to be heavily involved with everything at um, at Whitby because I felt that if I could, as a football manager, um, if I can help, you know, give an insight into the football side of. Um, the football club with volunteers um, then that would create you know more of a a community that would give people more of an insight I wanted to make myself readily available um, because I felt that was important you know it's a it's a community club and again you know I want to make myself available for that Um, so yeah like you say, being involved with um, with various groups, having an input, making myself available, that was part and parcel of what I believed, you know, was gonna you know help towards being successful at Whitby.
1: I think we we certainly felt it and it was it was it was building towards something, wasn't it? Do you think do you think the, the takeover and, and the transition off a pitch was a natural progression from from the foundations you'd laid when you came into the club following Darren Williams, etc. What I'm trying to say is, do you do you feel that the club was more attractive as a proposition for your involvement in them first couple of seasons, on pitch, off pitch?
2: Um, it's it's a difficult question. I think something that's worth putting out there, you know, in in the old regime with um, with Graham and Andrew, nothing but like you say backing and support with the new regime um with graham and andy um have has always been you know consistent with with both uh, regimes you know and, and eddie included in the um and like you said the the, the the new regime um i always got support i was always backed i was always you know helped in any which way that you know, that the guys could, I realised that there was, you know, limitations as to what we could and what we couldn't do. Um, but always supported and always, you know, given explanations as to, as to why things maybe didn't happen or, or maybe why things potentially could happen.
1: No, oh, fair enough.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll, very briefly, sign off sixteen seventeen and have a chat about the the North Rhine Senior Cup, Chris. But uh, we'll chat about that in a moment because we mentioned obviously finishing sixth in the league that year. For me, there was some there was some fantastic days across that season. You know, you've got the the Blythe game over Christmas where Gelly again smacks one in from halfway. Um, you know, he just had a he had a consistency for scoring remarkable goals in in games when you absolutely needed him to.
1: Can I just check the notes on that one? Is that Gelly Thunderbastard? mark two or are we it,
0: well, how many
1: it, have we got how many Gelly Thunderbastards have we got
0: i think those two are the main ones uh those those are definitely the main ones but uh okay. yeah uh lofting one over the keeper from halfway in that blithe game but um as well it was it was something that we'll probably mention throughout but um i mean the support and when when that shed was uh vocal because i mean they they created for some fantastic days didn't they chris
2: Oh unbelievably.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, something I will always look back on my whippy time fondly is regardless of us winning, losing, or drawing, and bear in mind there was a fair share of, of all them scenarios, the shed always stayed, you know, loyal. They always, you know, back the team that that sing when we were when we were getting beat, that sing when we were getting heavily beat, um, which I found incredible absolutely incredible and I just wish that 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 support could have multiplied and could have become you know there's the old cliches and the you know the the 12th man um, and you know because when it was loud and when it was when it was present it was it was powerful and it was it was good it was it was really really good.
0: I mean, there's it was particularly the night games, wasn't it, Chris? When it was it was usually at its loudest, and I mean that's that's sort of the old football thing where everything on a on a Tuesday night just seems to be sort of exaggerated massively. You know, the I've written about it in the uh, in the Whitby Gazette this week as we speak um, about how obviously the all the smells are exaggerated, the noises, everything like that. Um, and obviously it was that North Riding Senior Cup run. I mean, one game for me that sticks out was like Whitby fans singing five ten minutes after the game when. We'd beaten Middlesbrough in the semi-final, Chris, because you know it was it was one of those games. It was four three. It was end to end, and I mean for me that night there were sky cameras in following Dale and Andrew May, and everything just seemed fantastic on that night, didn't it? Yeah, it felt as if
2: it was coming together. It felt as if we were we were we were developing something that that was that was there to stay. It felt as if we were. We were, we were getting partnerships right on the field, we were getting results right on the field. Um, you know, and th- there was moments in that particular game where it could have went against us, but we showed good character and we, we stuck to task. And, and like you say, we got ourselves over the finish line and and then coupled with the, um, like you say, the support in the evening, it just, it felt, as you said, there was always something about, you know, Whitby under lights midweek. You know, it was, it was different and, it seemed to be better supported from the shed, you know, on a Tuesday night. Um, and and as I say, that support, you know, I, the guys obviously now, um, Bully and Nathan, you know, if if that shed support can get behind them, then it's powerful. It's uh, it really is powerful.
0: It certainly is. And one thing it always is as well a Tuesday night at Whitby is it's cold, Chris. I think we can uh, we can both. Oh, Vouch for that. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, going towards the end of that season, then obviously we mentioned being up and around that playoff place. And I mean, there was, you mentioned that Blythe game, but I mean, one for me that there was the the disappointment was that Warrington game at home in particular, because, you know, it was, that was probably the finest of margins perhaps from Whitby getting in the playoffs and finishing in that sixth place, I thought.
2: It it was, but we knew there was going to be, um, you know, there was going to be upsets along the way and there was going to be results that, that maybe didn't go away. Um, but I've made a note of a, a couple of games that that stick in my mind for positive reasons and a couple of games that stick in my mind for negative reasons. And one of the games that sticks in my mind for a negative reason is the Blythe Spartans game away. You know, we went up to Blythe Spartans on a, on a bank holiday Monday and, um, and we were blew away in the first 10, 15 minutes Um, on a pitch that was, that was there to play on. Um, I don't believe Blythe Spartans had anything to play for on the day. Um, You know, so from that point of view, you know, the pressure was on us, but, you know, we needed to turn up and, and maybe as I mentioned earlier about being, you know, one dimensional, maybe on that day, we were too one dimensional to the point where we just didn't do enough to win the game. And, and earn our place in the um, in the mix, you know, come the end of the season.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was disappointing that day, I must admit. And um, I mean, I've I've noted a couple of games down as well, um, like like yourself, the particularly the positive ones here. But I mean, you look at the games on the road, in particular that season. Marine, a four-one win. There was a two-nil at Corby, a two-nil at Nantwich, and I mean that that over one-nil. I've still listened to that commentary back now and just laugh at it. To be quite honest, when uh, when Dale scored his 90th minute penalty, but I mean, those those days at the football club and those away days, you know, they were they were really really something.
2: Yeah, definitely. And and when you you talk about Dale's 90th minute pen, you know, they're the scenarios that get you believing that that you know, is this going to be our year? You know, and I, and I think when results were dropping in like they were um it makes it all the more disappointing that, like you say, go across the Blythe Spartans for Pri so a, a place in the playoffs and and we just and we didn't turn up and that, that's not from the point of view that guys didn't put the effort in because not in any given situation I ever questioned that, you know, it was more from the point of view that we just didn't get a hold of the game, we didn't you know stamp our authority on the game, we didn't. We didn't do enough to 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 not have regrets from that particular afternoon.
0: Obviously, that obviously then into the Hensford game on the last day of the season, uh, that one-one draw, um, and then on to the senior cup final. Chris and I mean the the start of that season. It was uh, the first time Whitby had entered the competition for six years. You'd uh, brought them back into the competition and uh, going out and winning it in the end against Pickering.
2: Yeah, we had a little wobble on the evening. Um, but again, cup finals can be quite a, a levelling um, you know, experience from the point of view of, you know, there's a lot of nervous energies in there. Um, but when we, when we found stride, when we, when we, like you say, when we got all of the ball and moved it around, um, you know, I, I think we, we, we ran out comfortable winners in the end and, and deservedly so.
1: So, in your last full season at Gisborough, you beat Middlesbrough at the Riverside, and in your first full season at Whitby, you beat Middlesbrough in the semi-final, and then you beat Pickering at the Riverside.
2: That's correct.
1: Right, and are you are you still welcome in Middlesbrough after that little little run? I, I mean, uh, pretty uh, you it must have must have been sick of the sight of you around that time.
2: I'm sure Middlesbrough has got bigger enemies. Than- <laughs>
1: yeah maybe the under 23s weren't so happy but uh but yeah bigger fish to fry i'm sure
0: oh, definitely i mean that that night as well Chris we' mentioned that football that Whitby had been playing and there probably wasn't a pitch more conducive to it than the riverside was there
2: no it was fitting you know we like you say we rocked up there i had a couple of concerns initially because the pitch was was so quick um but again eventually we, we come to terms with it um and we were a good footballing side, you know. We we move the ball about well, and we give teams problems. We stretch the play, you know. We had Maraud and wing backs. We had Hobson finding crossfield passes. Um, so, like you say, we we once we got into stride, then then really, you know, Pickering weren't going to live with us.
1: And it was two to one, wasn't it? The crowd, is that right? Two two Whitby fans to every one Pickering fan, is that right?
2: It was predominantly Whitby, that's for sure. It was, yeah. uh, it was, it was fantastic, really. Like you said, I think, what was the two thousand fans in there, and I think you say the majority of them being Whitby.
0: No, it was, uh, it was a great night. And move it, move it on a little bit, then Chris. After, after that, and then the the following season, 2017-18, obviously lost Dale Hobson to Leeds Spartans, him moving up the levels, which you know after the season that he'd had, scoring over 30 goals was. Sort of a natural progression to move up. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know about you, and and you you may agree with me, you may not. But when you look at the signings from from obviously that summer and, and going forward in the first few months of the season, there was there was quite a few that just didn't seem to work out, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, there was, and and I think one of the the biggest problems of my time at Whitby is the recruitment's been so difficult. Um, you know there was there was times when we were bringing players into um, into Whitby that that without being disrespectful to to anybody they wouldn't have got in the Gisborough side. Um, now granted, different levels require different qualities from players, and and eventually we we, we did evolve into a into a um, um, an Evo stick Prem side because because we had to. Um, due to a number of different reasons. But as I say, the, the recruitment was always very, very difficult. Um, I think from the point of view of the location, doesn't help. Um, when, you are, when you've got this natural progression for teams now to be promoted from the Northern League, um, you've got teams like Mask, you've got teams like Morbeth, you've got teams like South Shields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So one arm over Whitby were fundamentally having them, th- you know, the the first dibs on them type of players because of the level, Blythe Spartans and Whitby. That was pretty much so the level. But lots of teams now have came into this like um, this level of football and beyond, and then it just made the recruitment process that that you know much harder, not a little bit harder, it made it much harder.
0: What
1: yeah. about the away game travel? Was that always? A discussion with players, you know, going from potentially a Northern League background, being being relatively close to home, whether home or away, and then you're 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 bringing them into Evo Stick Prem and you're playing Hednesford or Rushall or Grantham.
2: I mean, the reality is that guys can play Northern League football and be at home quarter six on a Saturday night. Um, you play the level of football that that we were week in, week out um, and you, sometimes you're getting in at nine, 10 o'clock at night. So it's, mm. it's hellish different. And you're also on the road from, you know, eight, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, but the players that I, that I tried to target were players that were aspiring players, players that, that wanted to try and go through the leagues and, and knowing full well that the higher the level of football, the better exposure um, that would you know facilitate it more so so it was just the the numbers that you were that you were trying to factor in for recruitments become very, very small.
1: Right. So you have a very small pool of players who 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 fit that that mind that mentality that ma- who've got the quality on the pitch but also have the mindset that you were looking for. As an stick Premier League squad. Yes, so you can
2: so you can dip into the Northern League and and you can um, there's quality in the Northern League, some some good players and and a lot of players that I spoke to about potentially coming across to Whitby, but again, given the fact that they've got this um, on the doorstep football and in some cases earning the same if not double the amount of monies that are on offer at yeah. Whitby, then you've got to question the um, you know the ambition of these players and and what their drive is and and a lot of them and it's not a criticism chose local football um, because the level of football that that Whitby plays at is a big commitment. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, there's no getting away from it. It's a big commitment and you've got to make sure that you you know all your ducks are in line in terms of you know the workplace has to support early finishers and. Um, you know, maybe his late starts the following day. Um, so there's there's more to take into account than just right, I'm going to play, you know, for Whitby on this contract. Um, there's there's other circumstances to consider.
1: Totally.
0: No, definitely. I mean, just just one thing I'm thinking there, Chris, is did did that become any easier when obviously the league's regionalised that bit more and you weren't perhaps travelling as far, or was the same problem just exactly the same? No, I never, I never come,
2: I never come across recruitment where I thought myself, this is getting easier, not once. Um, You know, I remember one summer, I must have spoke with seventy-five players and brought in two or three, Um, and that I think in the end that you know took its toll in fairness, man.
1: It always always struck me during the time that you were in post that, and I think you've alluded to it earlier, there was always a local team that was having a go. At, every year there was a northeast team that was that was like the hot the hot northeast side.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and this is this is football, isn't it? You know, it's mm-hmm. the um, and I think when football teams are logistically um, geographically placed. And financially backed, then it becomes very, very difficult. You know, with all of the the contacts that you that you, you know that you've got, um, it becomes extremely difficult to to prise people away from 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 them type of incentives. It's
0: obviously, sticking around that sort of recruitment area, Chris. And we mentioned there that there was a few that didn't work out. Did you find yourself, obviously, with the struggles that you mentioned, sometimes maybe having to gamble on players' character?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was always something um,
2: when I was managing the Northern League that that I would put um, way ahead of of anything else. Really, um, I would always make sure I could vouch for the character. Whereas when the the, the recruitment pool becomes small, then you know that there isn't as much scrutiny that you can put into it. Um, so with that in mind, there were players that came into the football club that didn't work out, um, and maybe these players with 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 more options, maybe these players wouldn't have been considered.
1: If I'm right in saying that's the season, though, we talk about recruitment, let's put a, a positive spin on it. Um, the standout player for me was, uh, in terms of reputation, character, career, Prior to joining Whitby, you, you managed to get Andy Munkhouse to come on board.
2: Yeah, um, I think from Andy's point of view, um, you know he's he's a seasoned pro. Um, you know we he was um, he played with Bully previously, so he had some links at the football club. Um, and like you say, Andy coming across, you know that, that was a it was a big you know coup for us. Um, I think you know it, it's probably safe to say that that if we'd have had Andy a, f- a few years prior, then we might have seen a you know a, a younger, more mobile version of Andy. But his experience was was priceless, and, and like you say, from that point of view, you know he, he was a he was a good asset for us.
1: His uh, induction on the bus was um, also a top quality rendition, wasn't it? Is that right?
2: Yeah, it was, and but I, th- <laughs> but I think if you speak with Andy about it, he uh, he probably won't thank you for it.
1: It made its way into the fanzine, you know. Yeah, with, uh...
0: know. that was to his approval. <laughs> <laughs> I've only just sent him that, and he hasn't replied to the text. So that might all, be right, it, yeah. all
1: right. Might not have his approval then. Yeah,
0: you'll be on the Christmas card list now. I uh, must be, must be, yeah. Um... So yeah, we'll just uh, we'll chat about then that season, Chris, because you know it's we mentioned there the recruitment and and going into it. I mean the the first sort of real low point of that season was was the FA Cup game at Peniston Church, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, um, you know, I think from the previous season, you know, the we were we was obviously we had some changes to the um, to the group which we sort of expected. Um but we were hopeful that we could have picked off where, you know, picked up where we left off. Um but the Peniston Church, like you say, that was a that wasn't a, a great day. That was one of the <laughs> the not so so good uh, memories at would uh, Whitby.
1: I think when the team bus gets stuck getting in to the village, not not the ground but the village, I think that that's a bit of a show but it's not gonna be not going to be your day, isn't it? You sort
2: of get that sinking feeling, but at the same time, you know you've got to ensure that you, you, you know, you, you stay true to your beliefs and and make sure that you, you know, you, you get past these these warning signs. But we never did.
0: Yeah, it was it was one of those days, Chris, where you know if, if it could have if it could have gone wrong playing wise, it just seemed to, didn't it? Cause, you know, Whitby. Did you know? Did go ahead in the game, but as well, Penniston down to ten men, and you'd you'd be thinking normally, that's that's where you build and, and you see the game off.
2: Yeah, and we and we didn't do that.
0: Um, and on the back of it, we've we've had a bad result.
2: Um, it created a, a bad feeling around the football club, um, which was probably my first exposure to that. Um, you know, so that was disappointing. You know, on on both fronts. But it, it, it was what it what it was, and and we knew that we had to um, to
0: bounce back. We knew that we had to, like you say, get ourselves pushed down and, and crack on. Like you mentioned there, it did sort of create that little bit of little bit of bad feeling. And you know, you look you look across that season, and, and just it sort of the stories told of that season by the lowest points, isn't it? Because you look at obviously Penistone Church knocked out two levels below. Uh, the North Rhine Senior Cup knocked out by Red Cross Athletic, which was an, an absolutely awful night by all accounts. And thankfully, I, I wasn't there myself, so I didn't witness it. But, um, and as well, that, that Lancaster 5-0, the story of that year is sort of told in those moments, isn't it?
2: It is, yeah. Um, and again, the frustrating part is that, from in my own mind, you know, we'd, <laughs> we'd sort of said I was stalled out the season before. So then to see these results coming about, you know, it was head-scratching, to say the least. Um, the results at regular Athletic, um, you know, a game that was dominated, conditions were, were, were hostile. You know, we've got a, a gale blowing up and down. Um, we've had numerous chances in the game. And then sure enough, you can sort of sense it that, you know they they pop up with a with a late goal and and go on to win the game and and that really gives a you know a bad feeling on the back of it. I remember speaking with with Ivor after the game and to say my head was up my backside was an understatement. Um, but Ivor gave me some some nice words um, and we knew that we had to you know regroup and and go again. Um, and then obviously going into uh, Lancaster on the Saturday. Um, we got it badly wrong, badly, badly wrong, um, and unfortunately, going away from, I think, going away from that game, um, there was changes that had to come about. Otherwise, we were going to find ourselves involved in a another relegation battle, and that was disappointing because the changes that were coming about were similar to the to the to the mindset that was adopted when I first came into the football club. You know, we. We we trained on the Tuesday. We got the lads in and we did some video nasties on the on the Thursday. And we and we sat round um, and we sort of as a group agreed that because of the lack of confidence, because of maybe players not being as comfortable on the ball as what I would have liked them to have been, causing our own problems fundamentally. Um, we needed a change of, um, of approach, which, you know, it's sort of, it was a bit of a knife in the heart to me um, because at that point we should have been flying. We should have been, we should have been making progress, not, you know, going back on ourselves. But I knew that, you know, it, my my own personal um, objectives weren't bigger than the football club, So I knew that I had to do this and I knew that I had to, you know sacrifice everything that i believed in to for the for the good of the football club for the good of the team and that's what we did going forward
0: during that time you mentioned there it was it was 17 games without a win chris um was was there thought of maybe a little bit of pressure on yourself and bully at that point
2: oh the, yeah there was definitely pressure i mean what what you've got to appreciate is that you know the pressure that that i'm that i found myself under isn't pressure from the hierarchy? It's the pressure that I put myself under, you know. So to go 17 games without a win, I knew what what was going on. I knew that that this wasn't acceptable, um, and that, like you say, that game against Lancaster was that was the um, the straw that broke the camels back. We had to make changes on the back of it, you know. And and I stuck with my football um, principles and philosophy, only to a point, and it was to the point where it's This this can't work because the personnel weren't able to do what I wanted them to do,
1: Um, so we had to, like you say, you know, reinvent the football team. You uh, unearthed another future football league talent, and in junior Mundell, around that time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Um, you know, I've I tried to get junior junior into the football club on a on a number of occasions. Um, once he came away from Middlesbrough, the, the circumstances weren't right. But eventually when he came in, um, you know, he... Kid's got real, you know, um, quality from a like a raw quality-type point of view. Um, he's got, like you say, he's pacey, um, technically good, fast twitch, um, a good player... And like you say, you know there was there was good performances had by Junior. There was equally bad performances had by Junior. Um, but like you say, he showed enough in the time that he was playing, you know, a week in week out with us, to um, to get himself a, a move into the um, into the football league. Yeah,
1: because it's the season after where he became at one point the 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 poster boy for the Northern Premier League, wasn't he? Everyone wanted to see. Junior Mondale at Whitby Town, but it was, people forget it's that season that the way we're talking about it is a, a season of doom and gloom, but it was that season where you brought him in, where you unearthed Junior, um, you know, Lewis Maloney as well came in that season and moved on to Gateshead at the end of it, who were at that time conference national playing playing national level football and younger Ryan Whitley as well, who you gave, I believe you gave him his um, senior football debut. Yeah,
2: we did. Yeah, yeah. Circumstances obviously went into the, the loan market and, and brought Ryan in uh, to, to, to plug a, a big gap that had been
1: left. So, yeah. Because I know you, I know we had a conversation at that time because Ryan, he kept a clean sheet on his debut, but he were a young, weren't he? I mean, how old were he at the time? 17, 18? Is that right in saying? Yeah. Ben, yeah. Um, and and it was it was around that time where we had the chat, and you said to, to finish this season off, I'm going to bring in some older heads and some senior pros. But you clearly, as much as you like, you say for the for the greater good of the football club, you made those calls. But you you clearly still had an eye on doing a Gisborough.
2: Hundred percent. You know, unfortunately, and again, I'm sure we'll get onto this as we as we go along. The the football. That I played in the in the last um, two or three seasons at Whitby was was unrecognisable for myself, um, and I and I still, you know, if if I was to go back into management, then then I wouldn't adopt a Whitby style of play that that that, that, that it's seen um, that we've seen for the last couple of years of of my my reign at Whitby. I would be looking for a team that had, you know, ball retention and, and we played football the way I believe it to be played.
1: I mean, and we fi- we finished that season uh, away at Marine in the sunshine with uh, Cal Patton yeah dropping one into the stanchion. So yeah, not all not all doom and gloom. And then there was a night out in Liverpool as well, wasn't there? There was. Yeah. Is this is this an appropriate time to mention the Chardy bomb?
0: they were. I think you described them as lethal, weren't they, Chris?
2: My word, dear me! I think I had a two-week hangover on the back of it.
1: There's not many managers at any level of the game who have their own drink, their own alcoholic beverage, is there?
2: Well, I think when the drink, you know, reaches the levels of alcohol that that one does, then I wouldn't suggest any other managers has their own (laughs) drinks. Lethal is an understatement.
1: Oh, you're going to have to explain to everyone what what goes into a Chardy bomb. Should they wish to make one themselves at home?
0: Yeah, it's maybe a "don't try this one at home" uh, sort of sort of approach to
1: this. But yeah, yeah. It,
0: was, uh, it was blue, wicked, and a and a shot of Sambuca. So a bit of a bit of a play on the old Chardy bomb, and
1: you nice, know, nice with it. No, Any?
0: no, it's, no, no, no ice. Just just bomb it straight down.
1: Yeah, very good. Glad we've covered that one off.
0: I was going to say it had to, it had to be mentioned, didn't it?
1: it? Had to be. It mentioned. did. It, to, it felt like we needed to sort of finish, uh, seventeen, eighteen on a bit of a higher, higher note. So, yeah, young players, football league futures, sunny day at Marine, Chardy bombs.
2: I see what you're doing, Dan. I like that.
1: Yeah. Bring in Positivity. Bringing the moon. sunshine and rainbows.